Hey everybody, this is Mike Van Meter and welcome to the Mike Van Meter Show. And this is your one-stop shop for everything having to do with conservatism, patriotism, constitutionalism, and frankly, just the way that you ought to live your life. That's the way I look at it. And I want to thank you for joining me tonight. And I want to introduce you to my very special guest. And that guest is Julie Perry, who's going to be running for the Virginia House of Delegates, House District 8 here in Northern Virginia. And yes, we have another election coming up this year. And as you know, I'm a part of that election. I'm running for the Virginia State Senate in the 33rd District and looking forward to that. And in my adventures and meeting all of the other candidates uh, that are running for office, I came across Julie Perry and she's up here in Northern Virginia, a little bit north and west of where I live, but met her through uh, my good friend, Mike Allers, as you know, who's running out there in the, um, also for the State Senate, and that's in the 28th District. And uh, we met we had dinner a few weeks ago and we got to know one another and I thought that you guys should get to know Julie as well because we've got to take back the Senate. Now we already have the House and when I say we I mean the Republicans have the House but we got to take the Senate but we have to maintain the seats we have maybe uh, gain a few if we can and so we definitely want to cover the issues that are important to you, important to the Commonwealth of Virginia because we got to make this state as good as we can. And we're going to make this the Shining Beacon Nationwide. And Julie was kind enough to come on tonight, and she's going to tell us a bit about herself, uh, her platforms, and her vision for uh, the Commonwealth of Virginia. And so with that, Julie, thank you for coming on the show tonight. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Well, tell us a little bit about yourself. I know you're a teacher, but maybe the audience doesn't know that. And you talk about uh, your background and um, really what it is that you want to do for the Commonwealth. Oh, my goodness. Well, if somebody told me three years ago I was ever going to run, I would have looked at you and said, I don't think so. But, you know, um, I've basically been a teacher now since uh, January of 2015. I actually got hired in the middle of the year. Um, And I got into teaching, you know, because I always was passionate about it. And actually, especially I started my career as a special ed teacher. Because I, you know, I had an IEP in school and I had, you know, I had a disability. And so, and so that was the original reason I got into education. And, you know, it's, I tell you, I, it's been, since I've been in uh, education, like, gosh, it's been eight years now. Wow. Um, I never thought I would go this far with it. That's for sure. Um, I never imagined I would be uh getting my master's in education to expose the corruption that's going on in the schools that's for sure um because like most people i wasn't aware of of the corruption in the schools you know most a lot of people that go into this field are not aware of it um the one thing one thing covid did is it really really exposed um just the corruption of the left and what they are doing in the schools and what they're doing pretty much to our country. And so, you know, um, when they shut down the schools in 2020, it was very hard because I didn't get to say, have a fun, good end of the year party with my kids. Um, they didn't get to say goodbye to them. Um, you know, when I was teaching virtually, it was just like, it, it just wasn't the same. It was, you know, you don't see the kids' faces. They couldn't do the activities in class. You don't have the relationships with them. 
And I just thought, gosh, how can people be so cruel to do this to kids? And so, you know, I started getting involved in the 2020 election and just helping out, helping out some of the Republican candidates. And uh, about two years ago, in mid-February of 2021, I was in my husband and I went out to eat with uh, one, the assistant uh, chairman of the Fairfax GOP and of a good friend of mine. And he had asked me if I would run. And I, you know, my husband looks at me and says, go for it. I'm like, wow. We thought about it and prayed about it. And, you know, I, I the real reason I ran is because we're in big trouble. Our schools are in trouble. And teachers are so afraid to speak out um, because the retaliation for speaking out is very scary. Um, and that what that com- what that form comes in is you get observed more. Your you know your colleagues will rat you out to administration. You know you get written up. They'll find ways to write you up. Just make make life very difficult for you. And so when you have a family to support. And you have to, and that's your livelihood, it's very scary to speak up. But that's what the left wants to do. You know, they want to intimidate people into silence. Because if people speak up, they it, it's a lot harder for them to fulfill their agenda. And so, you know, somebody's got to speak up. And you know what? I have been speaking out. And as long as you do what's right, and as long as you do what's best for your students, the people, um, you know, the parents, and more, most importantly, the Lord, you know what? You will have support behind you and God will be with you. And God is more powerful than Satan. And that's what it, that's what it has taken for me to speak out. Yeah, that's interesting. And well, first of all, describe for the listeners the district that you're running in, House District 8. Where is that? I'm running. I'm so right now. I'm currently running in House of Delegates District Eight, which is half Herndon, half Chantilly. Um, so basically, it's going to be an uphill battle. <laughs> um, there was a Republican in the House of Delegates seat um, about ten years ago, but this district has definitely gone blue. Um, what gives me a little bit of hope is. In this past election, a good friend of mine, Clark Hedrick, um, he ran two years ago for um, Herndon Town Council. He lost. And he ran again this past November. And he won. And not only did he win, he got the most votes. And so it's kind of like, wow, you know, maybe Herndon is not as blue as the Dems want us to think it is. You know, I think a lot of it has been the Republican morale in Fairfax County has been down. And so, you know, hopefully we can get it back up and hopefully, you know, maybe a part of it is people are tired of paying a high amount of money in taxes. Um, people are tired of basically the police not being respected. You know, um, it's very upsetting what happened to the Supreme Court justices homes um, you know, the board, the Fairfax Board of Supervisors could have sent security to their homes and didn't. And so people and f- now we're paying five cents for a grocery for a plastic bag at the grocery store. 
I mean, you know, and especially with what's going on with the school board, it's like people have to be waking up and being like, this can't continue. And so, you know, we've got, (laughs) unfortunately, um, the Republican Party um, over the years got complacent. We thought Virginia was our state and when we weren't paying attention, the Dems sure took over and they spent billions of dollars to turn Virginia blue. And so I always say Virginia is not the blue state that everybody thinks it is. And so we just can't be asleep at the wheel. Yeah, no, I've I've thought that for a very, very long time. And I I do think that when you get outside of Northern Virginia, Virginia is actually a pretty conservative state. I mean, that's oh, yeah. for the for the most part. I'm, you know, really Northern Virginia um, his the part that has really gone blue. However, I am going to say that you know this recent debacle with the school boards that was actually what turned it. And it's kind of ironic. It's kind of ironic because Northern Virginia did not go for Governor Yunkin, right? That's the one holdout. Sure. But yet it was. Also, that same Northern Virginia that gave the issue that likely took turned the whole state, the rest of the state, to the governor. Would you agree with that? I mean, um, you know, the school boards, you know, all this we had. A, and th- for those of you that don't remember, we had not only the school board issues, but we had this issue where we had a, uh, a, uh, a, a transvestite uh young man transvestite that went into a bathroom um, raped a girl then was transferred to another girl raped a girl there and then it it turned into a big deal and and recently someone was actually indicted um someone from the and and i'm sure julie you know more about this than i do yeah Yeah, it was he was actually uh indicted on uh, covering that up and anyway that that entire issue brought attention to the school board uh education in general and really infuriated a lot of people in virginia and that likely was a it it was a very big uh catalyst in launching uh governor yunkin into um into the governor's mansion down in richmond so but yet it's still voted blue during the election so it's kind of this weird dynamic but uh that's where you're running in that area yep and you know the thing is that whole situation in loudon county could have been avoided um you know it it is absolutely the fault of the democrats you know they were the ones that wrote that bill um as a matter of fact the senator who will be running in my district was one of the authors jennifer boyksko and basically you know i it's like i i you know when i call her out i'm like do you realize what you've done um and you know so basically it's it's very much it's there are i i gotta tell you there if you are if basically you it's very dangerous that's just a very dangerous policy and you know the left they will call you be anti-transgender for saying that but that is not the case the case, you know this is about protecting protecting female students and male students you know from getting seriously harmed and so that is not being anti-transgender but the left will call you that because they have no issue to run on so they have to name call and they have to scream that you are something you're not because they want, you know, they want people to believe that because, you know, if, if uh, because if they had to actually run on their issues, they would lose. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. And you're right. It is not a trans issue. It is 
it is something that, uh, you know, we, we have to get out of this woke culture. We have to. This is about safety. And as you know, Julie, uh, I really look at one of the major roles of government as being the safety of the citizens. And um, to, to me, if you want to have unisex uh, bathrooms and you, you can afford to build those in your school, that's fine. But otherwise, if you are a biological male, then you you use that restroom. If you're a biological female, you use that restroom. And this is for the protection of everyone. And, you know, I think the people that support this stuff are really people that don't work in these in environments. You know, I uh, work in a hospital environment and keeping the males and the females um, in the particular unit that I work in, it, it's a full-time job keeping people <laughs> not violating one another. Um, it's a full-time job. If you've worked in a jail, which I have, if you you've worked uh, um, you know, in law enforcement like I have, if you've been at sea on Navy ships like I have, and I do not believe any of my opponents have ever done any of that, by the way, um, you, you can say that we want to mix everybody up, and you can say that all the day long. You've never had to live in that environment. You've never been at sea for six months in that environment. You've never been in a school, a jail, or a hospital where uh, people, where you're the one having to keep uh, you know, people safe from one another. Um, it, it's a safety issue. I mean, do you agree with that? Oh, 100%. And so, you know, the Dems don't, they want to destroy America. And so they don't care about what's best for the people. They want, they, their number one priority is fulfilling the wishes of their, of their donors that want to destroy this country and themselves. And, you know, I got to tell you, um, it's being a Republican teacher where I work. I know bothers the Dems because, you know, they are, it's, it's, it's so too, it's such a double standard. You know, it's like the Dems are allowed to go into the schools and talk to the kids, but if a Republican were to come in, oh heck no. And so it's, it's such a double standard. They really want to brainwash the youth. They really, especially, they're really working hard to get in these schools and so, and they, and they've done a good, it's scary what they had brainwashed these kids into believing. Mm -hmm. I mean, they, you know, these, it's, it's very unfortunate that there are students that truly believe that if, you know, they come out as transgender or their friend does, their parents will kick them, kick them out, disown them, abuse them. And it's, it, that's so far from the truth. You know, if a child is abused, schools have or have steps in place to report this. Mm -hmm. but let me in fact, they're you. they're obligated to report it. You're you're mandatory reporters. Yeah, same in the counseling Absolutely. field. Yep. But you know, a, a parent being concerned about their child and wanting to get love their child and get the child the help they need is not abuse. You know, that's not abuse. And it's sad that the left has really gotten some of these kids to believe that. Yeah, I've I've thought about that recently too. I, I've not understood how just because your child believes that they want to be something that they are not. You know, if you're born a biological male and you want to become a female and then you want to take permanent actions 
regarding your body, things that you may not be able to re- uh, reverse or resolve later on. And and having a concern about that as a parent, I mean, it just seems like good parenting to me. It just, I mean, I would, I, as a parent, and I have children, and I, you know, I know that that's what I would do with, with my own kids. It's like, what is it, what's going on with you that you're not accepting of the reality of what is, and that is you were born in this particular sex. And what is it that's making you unhappy with that? And I would want to get to the root cause of that because there's something else underlying uh, all of this. And I would want to get you the help that you need because, you know, and by the way, because you could extrapolate that to all kinds of things in life, right? If I'm not happy with my financial status, if I'm not happy with, you know, my stage of life, my career, my um, whatever, whatever, whatever's going on in my life, we would want to explore, hey, that, but that's the reality. I make X number of dollars a year. I can wish that I made more, but this is the reality and I'm, I have to deal with that reality. And, you know, a counselor would help me work with the, the reality. Okay, what, you know, I, I know you want something and you can wish for something. You know, feelings are not facts. That's kind of, the, you know, the tagline. Um, the fact is I'm here. And why is it that I cannot be happy with the here and the now and where I am and, um, you know, work towards, you know, doing better in my life, but, you know, to be unhappy, uh, you know, with something that it was, I, I didn't choose. I was born with, um, you know, th- th- this particular sex or maybe a particular disability or, uh, you know, maybe I'm born without an arm. Maybe I lost an arm in combat. Uh, it is what it is. And I'm going to have to deal with living with whatever that situation is. And we don't talk about that enough. We talk about trying to change things into something that they are not. And I don't understand that, Julie. Do you? You know, I I believe it's part of the destruction of this country. Um, I really do. Um, because, you know, most most kids, most most kids that struggle with gender dysphoria, they actually overcome it. Um, and when they're into adulthood or into late adolescence with, and most kids, it's usually just a teenage phase. And I tell you, teenagers go through phases and a lot of times, you know, it's not a permanent, it's really not a permanent thing for most of these kids. And so several studies have shown they overcome it. And, you know, these kids, they need love more than anything in the world. Um, and they need, and not clearly, if they, there's something going on that's making them feel this way. And we have, you just have to get down to the root cause of what's going on in their worlds. Yeah, because to go along with that, you have a much higher rate of suicide and a much higher rate of addiction. And okay. so there's a lot going on there. I mean, th- th- that's a sign of a symptom of a larger issue that's going on. And we have to do, we have to do a better job of, of addressing what that is, what that issue is. Absolutely. Instead of trying to, because you know, actually, if you listen to an interview from Chloe, um, she's a gal that you know thought she was transgender. She trans uh, she transitioned from a female to a male, and you know when you listen to her story. She said, you know, it appealed to me because the left did a good job at ringing me in. You know, I was lonely. I felt like, you know, I wasn't, you know, I didn't have a lot of friends and they kind of just accepted me. And so that's what they kind of do is they go after, they go after the most vulnerable. 
Um, and she said, you know, it's very, it's a lot, it all seemed appealing, but you know, the truth is you don't want, you don't want to get all of the, that surgery. Um, she, you know, she talked about how she was raped, um, you know, from going in the boys' bathroom and she, you know, talked about, you know, she said, I, I wish I did not believe the lies. And she said, you know, these, uh, these kids are going to be more upset in the future. Because you know what, their lives could be ruined from this, and their bodies could be. And it's so sad. Yeah, it is. It is. It's so sad, and it's like if you mention that, the left goes crazy. Well, so I, I've I've often said, and I and I said this in a speech I gave the other night, that we need the adults back in town. You know, th- mm-hmm. this is. It was kind of cute for a while, um, but it, it is absolutely destructive. Absolutely yeah. destructive um, to our society, and it permanently harms uh, the you know the kids that that we tie into. And we we need people like yourself that are going to stand up and and actually call this out for what it is. And so uh, I would imagine that uh, education's not, although that's your your area. Whereas I tend to focus on you know addiction and, and law enforcement. Um, I know your your main area is addiction, but or I mean uh, education rather. But uh, what are some of the other things that you've are, are you're thinking about and you know, what would you bring to the table of the House of Delegates? Well, you know, when you, if I, since it's House of Delegates, I would obviously, education is important, but there are a lot of other things that are very important too. You know, um, we've got to make sure uh, we return the rights to the family. Um, it's very scary what the Dems did for two years to the rights of the family. Um, you know, even with elderly, um, with an elderly parent. You know, um, it's scary because now in Virginia, if you have a mother, if you're a, if you're somebody that your mother needs taken care of, and obviously you hire a woman over a man, that man could sue for discrimin gender discrimination. Even though, and it's like this is insanity. You know, obviously, if it's you know, if you want somebody to take care of your elderly mother. You're going to more than likely want a woman to do that. Um, And, you know, the other thing, too, is the way the police have been treated and the laws that have just the whole defund the police movement is so dangerous. Um, You know, we all saw what happened in Seattle in 2020 with the Chaz Zone. It was a nightmare, you know, and what, what people don't realize is. If we don't back up our police, we don't have our civil liberties. Um, because you know what? Crooks can run loose anytime they want, and you know what? Nobody's going to be there to help you. So, you know, that's a serious safety thing. Um, and then, you know, the other thing, too, is taxes are high. We, they're on, we have a lot of unnecessary taxes. Our taxes keep going up, but why does everything else keep going up? You know, um, clearly... These taxes are not going to benefit the people. These taxes are going to benefit the pockets of the wealthy, of the wealthy politicians, as I should say. That's got to end. You know, and so and also we need to, you know, like I said, a big thing is a lot of people don't talk about this, but we cannot let the unions take over the state. Um, Not only the teacher unions, but unions, period. Um, thank goodness we did win back the governorship in the House because I promise you the Dems would have made this a total unionized state. 
right now, locals can uh, choose to be under a union, but the problem is the unions do not have the best interests of workers and they are only out for themselves. And so if we were a unionized state, you know, employees would be forced to pay dues to these unions every month. And I promise you, these unions are not going to help you when you're in trouble. And so what they do with that money that you give them every month is they donate about 94% of it to corrupt Democrat politicians. And so we absolutely have got to continue to make this a right to work state um, because if it becomes unionized, it will absolutely kill small businesses. And it'll be hard for anybody to fire anybody. And, and just imagine if you are a restaurant owner and you have an employee that's causing a lot of problems, uh, like coming into work late, you know, arguing with customers, um, not showing up, just being a big problem. That's going to be a big headache for a business owner. So, you know, we got to we got to make sure that um, we this doesn't not take over as a fully unionized state. Yeah, um, <clears throat> that's a that's a really, really good point. We cannot hamstring businesses in that in that way. We have to have the freedom because I think it really it, it in, infringes upon the liberties of the the independent you know business owners. And oh. uh, yeah, that, that is a big issue. And of course, you know, you talking about law enforcement that. You know, it really has hurt everyone, but disproportionately has affected negatively uh, minority communities, ironically, which is what the left, you know, always claims that they were championing the the um, minorities in, in our communities. But ironically, those are the people that were hurt the most, wasn't it? Oh, absolutely. You know, even in my district, when I was door knocking a couple of years ago, I couldn't even believe how many people were very upset about the marijuana laws that passed in Virginia. You know, um, I, I, it shocked me how many people were upset in my district about this. And this, this story teared me up. I was door knocking and the lady that answered the door told me she was a dem. And, but she asked me this question. She said, I just need to know, what is your stance on marijuana? And I thought, interesting question. And I said, I believe it needs to be used for medical purposes only. And she cried and she said, I've never voted for a Republican, but you have my vote. And she told me that she is right. She was in a custody battle with her ex over her two kids because her ex smokes it in front of her two young children. And the courts can't do anything about it now because marijuana is legal in Virginia. And it's just very destructive to the, her kids. And so another guy told me that, you know, people are, you know, uh, breaking more laws. You know, they're up at night. They're louder. They're making crazy decisions. And he just said, you know, I never I guess when the law was passed, I was like, oh, no big deal. But it is a big deal. And so, you know, I people, it's not as popular as what people think it is. No, it's not. And, and you know what's ironic about that, Julie, is I actually was in a discussion with an individual a couple of weeks ago. And here, <laughs> I, want, I want people to listen to this, right? Because a lot of these things you use as a logic exercise. 
And um, I, I want to kind of park on this subject here for a minute because the, I think this whole marijuana issue is um, a, a real interesting issue. Um, I This guy was really pro-marijuana, very pro-marijuana. And he, he smokes it, his wife smokes it, and then, but he was talking about his grandchildren. He's old enough to where he's got grandkids. And um, he was telling me about how concerned he was about one of his grandkids who, who just turned 18. And I said, well, what's your concern with your 18-year-old? And he goes, well, he smokes marijuana all day long in the house. And I just sat back, my jaw dropped, and I said, but you just told me that you smoke marijuana and you, you're for legalization. And I said, but you're telling me it bothers you that your 18-year-old grandson smokes marijuana. And he says, yeah. I said, did you just listen to what you just said? You have a problem with your, your you know, young people smoking it, and why? And he says, well, I don't think that it's good. I really don't, because the brain's developing up into the 20s, and, and, and I've noticed that his motivation has dropped off. He's not meeting life goals. He's not as ambitious as you used to be. I really don't think it's a good thing for him. And I said, but you think it's a good thing for you? And he said, yeah. And I said, that, that makes no sense to me what, whatsoever. And I said, let me ask you a question. I asked my friend this. I said, if you called an Uber right now and you got into that Uber and the Uber driver was hitting a bong pipe, would you get in that Uber and have him drive you around? And he said, no. I said, well, why not? Because his, his judgment would be paired. I said, all right, take it a step further. If you got on an airplane and, and the pilot was smoking a bong pipe, would you get on that airplane? And he said, absolutely not. I said, but yet we have people driving all over. Do you realize, Julie, we have people all over the Commonwealth of Virginia right now smoking marijuana and driving vehicles. But you would not allow that person to drive your Uber or fly your airplane. That makes no sense to me whatsoever. Yep. Oh, yeah. That's dangerous. It's very dangerous. You know, because it, it, it clearly endangers not only themselves, but everybody else on the road. And by the way, this whole business of it being used for medical purposes, I am not going to say there there are not legitimate medical purposes. Like if you have stage four cancer and you're in hospice. Okay, I got that. But how many people are running around with medical marijuana cards that fit into that category? How many? I and oh, by the way, if you're suffering, um, you know, I work in a hospital. We actually have better drugs than, than that. We have better stuff than that. Sure. Can we be honest? You know? People just want to use it recreationally. They, they really could care less. Uh, I, very, very few people are actually getting the medical marijuana card for actual medical purposes. Very few. Right. You know, it's one of those things where a lot of times people... I use marijuana because it makes them feel good. It, you know, makes them forget about their problems. And so, you know, it's unfortunately, you know, it's one of those things where it's, it's very destructive. And like I said, you know, I, I did know somebody that had Parkinson's. That was probably the one time I was like, okay, this, you know, it, it really worked. It calm. It made his hands calm. But you know what? He truly had a medical condition, you know? Mm -hmm. Most people don't. Right. Yeah, that's what, that's what I'm saying. And when it comes to people wanting to forget their problems, that's that's the problem, is yeah. we don't want to be here. We don't want to be present. We don't want to deal with the problems that we have. And that's no. not good. That's not no. good. It's not. Amen. And so it's one of those things where we got to deal with our stuff and... It's not always easy, but, you know, life's not easy. 
And, you know, we just have to get through, we have to get through the tough times. Yep. And we can do it. We can do it. And I think people just need encouragement. Um, I know for me, I, you know, I struggled with my disability as a kid. And it, it just wouldn't have done me. My dad was very much like he would not. He said, you can do it, Julie. You can do it. I, you know, I might have to work harder than pe- some pe- than most people, but when I get something, I get something. And you know what? Just because I have I have an, an exceptionality or something, or I do have you know a little bit of a difficulty getting things. Guess what? I still got through a high school. I got a I went through a college. I got a master's degree. I'm a teacher. And oh, by the way, to be a teacher. They didn't make any special exceptions for me. I had to do I had to do the same thing everybody else did to get certified. And to be honest with you, I'm I'm okay. That's a great thing. You got to be able to handle the job. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. if you know what, if this God has a place for everybody out there, and we and are teaching people that it's okay to not deal with your problems, and that's right. not good for the community. It's not good for the nation. And, and I really think that the, we are going to regret many, many of the issues that are coming down the pike. And let's, let's face it, this entire movement to legalize marijuana is about money. It's about money. Mm-hmm. Now, what my problem, and, and I want to be very clear with people, that the American people and the people of the Commonwealth, through the ballot box, are going to decide what they want to do with this. But what I ask voters and and what i know i will do and i i hope you would support me in this julie is that i would i would be pushing in the state of virginia to at a minimum at a minimum educate the public on the dangers of marijuana because we spend a lot of time talking about, oh it's good for this it's good for that. it help you relax it'll it'll help with this disease or that disease it, it has medical properties but also has a lot of negative properties, too. Oh, and we yeah. don't talk about that. And I think that even if we continue to sell marijuana in the Commonwealth of Virginia, we have a, an obligation to the public to let them know what the downside of that is. After all, we do it with gambling, don't we? You, if, you hear, yeah. uh, an, if you hear an advertisement for gambling, they will end it with, hey, if you have a problem with gambling, call this number. Hey, if you buy a pack of cigarettes, it tells you on the side of the pack of cig- the cigarettes why you shouldn't be smoking and chewing tobacco and alcohol. We do that with that but we don't do that with marijuana ironically no we don't no we don't and it's just because people you know people don't see the dangers in it and people have really thought oh you know it's the least uh, harmful drug out there you know it's not as bad as cocaine or heroin and it's like oh my gosh well, come spend a day in a detox center with me uh, when I go to work, and, and people would probably have a very different opinion. You know, by the way, because it's not regulated, um, much of it is laced with fentanyl, and uh, we, we see a lot of those people, too. So when you go out and you buy marijuana on the streets now, you have no idea what you're getting. You have no idea yeah. what you're getting. And we, we have all kinds of patients that end up in the uh, detox center that thought they were smoking one thing, and then they, they come in and they're like, I don't understand what happened, and we test them, and, and they test positive for fentanyl. So that meant that whatever they bought was laced with fentanyl, and they didn't know that that's what they were taking. It's dangerous, folks. You can die from this. Yes, you can. And, you know, um, we just we have, people need to know the dangers of this. 
And no, we can't go around saying, oh, it's not as bad as cocaine or heroin. It's like, are you kidding me? I think that's the worst thing we can go around and say. Yeah. Because it's it's just, a, it gives people a false sense of what, what marijuana is, you know? And so it's just... And, you know, I and of course, another thing that another big lie is vaping. Well, you know, you can't when, you know, when I was in high school, you know, girls smoke cigarette smoke and you could smell it. The dangers with vaping is you really can't smell it, but it's just as bad. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we so, actually don't know all the long term effects. It could be it could be even much worse than we thought it was. We know it's not good for you. I mean, in doing anything like that is not good for you, but we actually don't know what the long term effects are. And I mean, it's, well, it's scary. Yeah. It's really scary. And so, and then another thing I wanted to address with your viewers is another thing that really people need to be aware of is what is um, starting in 2024, uh, some Virginia is going to have to start selling some electric cars. And by 2035, we're supposed to have California's, we're supposed to go electric like California is. And I got to tell you, um, that should concern a lot of people because um, electric cars, first of all, to replace the battery is very expensive. Um, if it's hot out or 90 degrees out, you really shouldn't be driving those. Um, we all saw last year when we had the big snowstorm on 95, and it was Governor Northam, by the way. Um, yeah, let, let's pe remind people of that. Did not call state of emergency, treat the roads, or pretty much call any plows. And a lot of those people sat out in the freezing cold because their cars wouldn't even turn on. Um, you know, we go electric, we're going to have some big problems. And so we have got to, this is why we have got to win a majority in the Senate and the House, is because we've got to repeal all that. We're not ready as a society as a, as a society to go full electric yet. No, well, we don't have the infrastructure for it. We absolutely don't. And you know, I've heard of more problems from electric cars than anything. And so, a lot of it too is if you go, if we go fully electric, the government can kind of control a lot more of where you go and what you do. You don't want that. You know, yeah. say every home went electric. Well, and it went to, you know, like the government controlled the electric in our homes. They could turn it off anytime they want. You don't want that. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. And, it, and it's really not any, it's not environmentally safe. I mean, all of these batteries around, uh, <laughs> the disposal of these batteries are not environmentally sound. They're not. Oh and we're still gosh. burning a lot of coal to create the electricity to uh, create these things. Yeah, we're we're not. It's not a good. It's not a good idea. And I'm with you. I think that we need to repeal any of these laws uh, in, in the state. We have to. Oh, we do. We absolutely do. And so you know, it, it's just. I, I mean, I've talked to somebody who you know has been to California a lot, and he's like, it's insane. You know, it's hot out in L.A. and they have signs. Please don't drive your car if it's electric. It's too dangerous. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it's 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 very, you know, it's very destructive. But it really, I, the dangers of electric cars really woke me up when we had the snowstorm. Yeah. And all those people sat in the freezing cold all night. 
and they were stuck. I mean, it's not like you could go uh, get get a, a can and go get some gas and fill it up in your car. You literally was stuck with a car that there was nothing you could do anything about. No, absolutely not. And so it's just we can't have that. Um, we're just not, and I I just really think that we're not. Our society is not in that place yet. You know, of course, would it be nice one day? Yeah, of course, but we have to have the infrastructure to mm-hmm. do it. Right. We have to. And we can't. We can't artificially put these deadlines out there. We 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 can't do that. You not can't at all. do that. And so you know, we've got to. We've got to still keep you know uh, doing our research. And you know, we can't just not do some serious research and expect everything to go great. You know. You just can't do that. No, and I, and I have no doubt in my mind that's why the Biden administration is driving, intentionally driving the price of gas up. In fact, there's a lot of evidence that, uh, that that's exactly what he's doing. And, I, and I'm not into this, the, the idea that we force the public to move into something that they don't want. I think the market drives that. You know, when the market demands, uh, you know, demonstrate that people want electric cars, the market will drive that. But I don't think that the government should come in and artificially cause people in push people into electric cars. You know, when when the infrastructure is there, the research is there, the industry is there, and the demand is there, then then we will move in that direction. You know, because I'm I'm a free market guy, and I and I want to let the markets drive that. I, I I this business of the government strong arming people to do things that they don't want to do, I'm against absolutely. Oh, absolutely. And that's actually a very dangerous road for us to go down. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. remember, uh, you know, it, it, they'll tell you it's for the greater good, but it's not. And, you know, I've talked to so many people that have come from countries, um, you know, with co- communist regime regimes such as China, even, the, even Cuba and Venezuela, and they say, you know what? You do not want America to turn into the, our countries. Um, you know, I, I tell you what, evil does not want to give up power once it has full mm-hmm. power. Nope. They don't want to give it up. And so that's why we have to stand up. We have to fight against this hard. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. And absolutely. And so the fight's to. coming. It, it is. The fight's coming. So uh, as we wrap up, tell us, so the, the, we're in 2023 and we're driving towards November, the election. So um, maybe kind of lay out for us a little bit what the rest of this year is going to look like for you oh, as we get closer to November. You know what? It's going to be a good year, but a busy year. And, you know, I'm actually more excited to run this time because I've, I know a lot more about what it means to campaign, to run. Um, believe me, one thing I was not prepared for in 2021 was being attacked by the left. But this year I've said to myself, it's going to happen. And I'm just like, you know what? When it happens, it means I'm doing something right. Um, but, you know, I'm looking forward this time to greater in my campaign, going to more minority communities, mm-hmm. um, going into, and you know, basically – I look forward to just meet, reaching out to these people. Um, I look forward to continuing to go to events, tell people what's going on in schools, but give people hope that not there's a lot of teachers that don't agree with this um, and just basically continue to fight to save this country and fight to save this commonwealth. 
because if we don't stand up, we're going to lose it. And we, you know, once we lose it, it's going to be almost impossible to gain it back. Yeah. And so we, and so basically I, I plan on my top issues are going to be the schools. Education is of course going to be number one. Um, number two is going to be backing our law enforcement. Number three, backing our businesses and lowering our taxes um, because we need our small business, small businesses. You know, they make up 75% of the businesses in America. They're the backbone. We need them. Yep. And, you know, also fourth, very important is fighting to make sure this does not become a unionized state. No, thank you. Because if we become a full unionized state, holy cow, um, it's going to hurt a lot of businesses. It's going to hurt a lot of employee employees. And basically, the only people that are going to benefit are the unions and their uh, corrupt politicians, because that's where all the money is going to go. Yeah, well, well said. And you're right, they're going to attack you. They're going to attack me, because that's all they can do. They can't right. attack the policies. It's the logic, and they're going to come at us, and they're going to come at me, uh, no doubt about it. And uh, but you're a strong person, and I'm a strong person, and we can take it. Yep, and you have to be, and we can't let them intimidate us. No, because they love to intimidate anybody that goes against their views. Well, I am looking for it. Any any final words of, you know, any thoughts that you want to get across the audience before we conclude yes. tonight? And I'm going to have you back on the, the program where we're going to talk about awesome. the nitty-gritty details of of what what's going to be happening. You know, every single issue. Because as we get into the debate stage and we get out on the, the, the campaign trail and, and we're talking to people individually, you know, more and more topics are going to come up. And I want to share with the viewers, you know, the things that we're hearing out on the street. And I know you do, too. But any final thoughts for our listeners? Yes. Um, basically, uh, you know, I'm I, I'm running because, you know what? I realize it's time to elect uh, elect politicians or elect people to represent us that realize who they work for. They work for the people, not don not their donors and lobbyists. And time and time again, um, elected officials have forgotten that. Mm -hmm. and we need to bring that back to the state, and that's what I want to bring. And also, you know, this is the, probably the hardest part of campaigning, but you have to do it. Yep. Um, obviously, we do need help, whether it's um, door knocking or a financial contribution. Um, both Mike and I need it. If, you know, you could do either or, um, please, my website is julieforhouse.com. And, you know, that money is obviously being spent towards direct mailers towards, you know, reaching out our message because this is our message um, because really and truly, yes, I'm running, but it's the people that are running. It's the people that are tired of what's going on. And so you, we, unfortunately, we do have to have money to get our message out. Mm -hmm. Now, and is so that Julie F.O.R. house or Julie four, the number four? Julie four house. Oh, no, Julie F.O.R. Yeah. Okay, great, great. So that's julieforhouse.com. You know, please reach out to her. And you know what, guys? The most unappealing, the most, I know the thing I hate the least about running for an office is asking anybody for money. I oh, de yeah. truly despise doing that. But like Julie said, it is also a reality. 
uh, by the way, our opponents are going to have a ton of money um, because they've run for office before and they are bought and paid for by a lot of uh, special interest groups, which we are not. Uh, we need your support. And, you know, for me, that's uh, Van Meter for Virginia dot com. That's my website. And hers is Julie for house dot com. And, and please check that out. And, you know, and both of those websites, you can reach out to us as well. You can volunteer, but you can reach out to us directly. And we'd love to hear from you. And, um, you know, Julie, thank you so much for coming on the show tonight. Really appreciate it. <laughs> for having me yeah um thank you so much and like i said you know the mike's right the hardest part about asking for money is we're taught as conservatives to work for what we have and so you know it's so that's where it's hard for us and so that's why i always try to say this is always going to benefit the people not myself and so you know of course i want to keep that more that principle that i have hey if i want something i want to work for it Mm -hmm. so we just have to as a candidate if you if you do run you have to say okay wait a minute this isn't going for towards me this is going towards the people and towards getting our message out our you know values out our saving our country keeping our civil liberties so and you know i believe me it took time to train myself to get myself to think that way yeah absolutely well, thanks again, Julie. I really do. I'm, and I look forward to having you back on the show again. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much. Yeah, you All take right. care of yourself. And we will talk soon. And everybody, thank you for listening to the, the show. And, well, you know, I really look forward to hearing about how things are going for Julie out on the campaign trail. And, and we're going to share with, with you how things are going for me. But thanks again for joining us tonight. Once again, this is the Mike Van Meter Show. Guys, we can do this 2023. November, election time. Get out there, vote often. (laughs) Not often, vote once, but vote early. And we will win back the state Senate and we will keep the House here in Virginia. You guys take care. Bye-bye.